Do you want more high ticket clients? Do you want to know how they think and how they buy? You're in the right place to learn how to get all the high paying clients you want, whatever you want, and how to actually stand out as the world-class specialist in your arena. I'm Leanne and I've helped over 500 women go from very few clients to commanding better prices and calling in clients who are pre-sold. In this podcast, you'll learn the exact strategies that I use with my clients to get them more clients, cash and credibility. All the things you'll learn here are rooted in sales psychology and how your client's brain works. Also what to do and say so they buy. So let's get this started. Hey everybody and welcome back. Okay, so today we're going to talk a little bit about hot offers and if you're coming here today to learn that, you're in the right place. So a lot of people are confused about offers just in general and why they do or they don't sell. So in fact, if you have been online and seen offers that sell out before they open up the cart, maybe that person had a wait list and it's in demand and now the offer sold out before they even launch it. That may seem like a bit of a mystery to you. And I think it was a mystery to me too for a long time until I figured out a few things about why people buy and what makes an offer so irresistible that you have to say yes to it. So it's not always what you think because I've said yes to offers for a lot of reasons, but the bottom line was I needed something and I trusted that person and so I said yes. Now sometimes we make mistakes when we buy, but what we don't want to do is make a mistake in offering the wrong thing to the wrong people at the wrong time. For instance, if you have a perfect client in mind for the offer that you want to launch and other clients are not that far along, either in the problem or in the aspiration, they're going to get diminished results because they're not the right client for that offer. And for that person, they won't ever get the right results. It doesn't matter how much you hold their hand. It doesn't matter how many calls you give them or workbooks or support. I see this a lot that some coaches are in their client's world and they're almost enabling them to stay in the same place because they've chosen to serve a client that their offer really doesn't suit. In fact, if you pick the right person, you're going to have a 90% success rate and you may have some people slip through that are not exactly perfect, but if you define your standards and you define your parameters of that perfect client, most people are going to be in the right arena when they come into your offer to get the right result. So, now to come back to your ideal client, I want to tell you a story about this because when I was a younger person in my early 20s, I toured Europe and I did many different shows and bands and musical groups and I remember being in Seville, Spain and it was the, I think it was the summer of 91 or 92, I was actually performing at the World's Fair in Seville that year with musical. Now we were getting paid, it was a good gig, and it was incredibly fun, but it was also extraordinarily hot. If you've ever been to Seville, you know the coast of Spain in the summer is a heat index that's really incredible. You're near the coast, it's humid, it's hot, there isn't a lot of like air conditioning, or at least there wasn't at that point in time, and we were performing in the open air pavilion. So There wasn't air conditioning at the U.S. Pavilion at the World's Fair, but there was right next door at the New Zealand Pavilion. And they were the only place anywhere around that was air conditioned. And we were at the fair all day long, so it was hot. We performed three times a day, and the rest of the day, 
we just did what we wanted to do within the fairgrounds. Of course, it was a little bit like Epcot, so you went around to the different pavilions and you watched the shows and you experienced the culture. And I met so many great people, but I was so hot. And I tried to wear cool dresses. We drank a lot of water. It really didn't change the fact it was just super, super hot that summer in Seville. And we couldn't go inside anywhere except the New Zealand Pavilion. And you couldn't stay in there all day because they, there were other people that wanted to go in there. So we were walking around Seville on our day off one day. And my boyfriend and I at the time, we went into a mall and they had a hairstyling salon at the mall. So we were walking around Seville on our day off one day. And my boyfriend and I at the time went into a mall and they had this hairstyling salon at the mall. And my hair was a little bit past my shoulders, I guess maybe in the middle part of my back. And every day I would just sweat and sweat on the back of my neck so bad. And I thought, I'm just going to cut my hair off. I'm just going to cut it off. It's hot. It's keeping me hot and I'm ready for a change. And my boyfriend was super supportive. He didn't care. I, I didn't want to do it too short, but I did want something that would be flattering and cute. And the problem was we had just arrived in Spain about three weeks before and I didn't speak a lot of Spanish. I had a few words. I could like order food. I could ask for the check. And maybe I had a greeting. I knew how to say my name and a few words. I didn't have a big vocabulary. And the hairstylist that they put me with <laughs> did not speak English at all. Not any. Now, many of you are probably thinking this is not going to end well. I've got a hairstylist that does not speak English and I don't speak Spanish. And so I did a little body check at the time thinking, do I really want to go through with this? And through a mixture of kind of some hand gestures, he and I had some communication going and I showed him what I wanted and I said the word suave and he got my intention and he started cutting. At that time, right, Linda Ronstadt had the same haircut and she was a singer back in the 70s and 80s and I had bangs and I wanted it to be really face flattering. I have this kind of heart-shaped face and I knew it would be flattering on me to get kind of a bob. And so he started to cut and I panicked. I remember I panicked and my heart went, mm, are you really going to do this? Because he doesn't speak English. What if he didn't understand me? What if he cuts too much off? And I thought, well, I really want to do this. I got to do it. It's too hot. I got to go through with it. So he cut, cut, cut. And long story short, once he blew my hair dry, it was absolutely amazing. I've never had that good of a haircut ever since then. And that's been like over 20 years. This was the best haircut absolutely I've ever had in my whole life. And I guess a couple of months later, I went to visit a friend in Los Angeles and she was like, wow, your hair's awesome every single day. And I said, it's that haircut I got in Spain. And she said, you're kidding. And I said, no, really, it was in Spain. And I, I told her, you know, he didn't speak English. I couldn't find a hairstylist. And if I could go back to him in Spain, like now to get my haircut, I would, I would do that any day of the week. And any time I wanted to have a fabulous hairdo or hair day, he would be my go-to person because it was so good. All that to say that, the offer back then was solving a couple of problems for me. Number one, I was hot. I wanted my hair off my neck, but I wanted a fabulous hairstyle. I didn't just want to pull it back up in a ponytail or in a bun. I wanted something new and cute and fabulous. I was in my early 20s and I was like, I just want to do something cute. And I wanted to go around Europe and feel like I was going to look good every single day. And you know what? It did look good every single day. The other reason it was a good offer for me is I have fairly good hair. 
So if I was going to go to unknown hairstylist now, I would probably be able to tell them exactly what to cut because I know my hair, but it's hard to mess it up. I have okay hair. I didn't grow up with very many things to my name. We didn't have a lot of money when I grew up. And so I joke around with my husband and my son because they also have a lot of hair that we have a lot of hair. We are rich in hair. And if something ever happened to our money, we would always have our hair. So we joke about that. But I know down deep, if I got a haircut, my hair is going to grow out pretty fast and it's going to probably look okay, right? It's going to look okay. So if it doesn't work out for some reason, and this is what I was thinking in the chair, it'll grow and it won't take very long to grow. So I was the perfect person to get my hair cut by that person that day. It just so happened he was a world-class expert and I didn't know it. That doesn't mean he was a celebrity stylist. I don't know what his name was. He was just in some mall. It was just absolutely amazing. So the offer was perfect for me because I was the ideal client. I was willing to risk a language barrier. I had a problem I needed to solve. I had confidence in myself and in my own hair. And I knew if it wasn't stellar, it would be good enough and it would solve my problem. So now when we think about our clients, right? Their issue, their aspiration, that thing they truly want, your offer needs to speak exactly to that thing. So a hairstylist, for instance, is pretty clear on what they do. They do cuts, they do colors, they do styles, they do blowouts, they do updos, some do conditioning treatments. There's a clear offer to a certain kind of person. Now there's a hairstylist here in Austin, right by where I get facials done. There's a curly hair specialist on Anderson Mill. So that busy street in Austin has a great salon that deals with curly haircuts and colors. Some of it is ethnic, serves ethnic hair. Some of it isn't, some of it's just curly hair. And if you have curly hair, you probably know when you get your hair cut, if you get it cut wet, it shrinks when it dries. And sometimes they get it too short or sometimes they cut it weird. So these people at this salon know exactly how to cut curly hair. They cut on dry hair and there's certain techniques that they know that not other stylists know. So if I had curly hair, which I don't, but if I did, I would go to that salon because I would want to get my hair cut correctly so I didn't have as much of a risk involved. And I actually recommend that salon with everybody that I know that has curly hair because they're specialists. They've been trained in it. Their offers are really, really good for people with curly hair. That isn't me. My hair's straight. I've got a lot of it, but it's not curly. So that curly-haired cutting specialist isn't really something I need. So when I want a new haircut, right, I need that problem to be solved. The offer worked for me, whereas it might not have worked for other people. I was just the right client at the right time. So the first thing to remember about a hot offer that's going to sell is it has to be directed to the right person. And if you're directing it to the wrong person and they buy it, it's going to be hard for that person to get results, no matter how much you help them. But also they might leave your container really unhappy. These are the people that sometimes ask for refunds because they weren't good clients to begin with for where your program started and where it was going to take them. They actually weren't qualified for the offer they bought. And that is on us, right? That is on us. A lot of times I see people and they don't get results in containers because they're buying offers not suited for them and the person didn't pre-qualify them, so it's not a good fit. 
Now this is beyond the people that I know. I know there's things out there that don't deliver. I want to address the things that are delivering what they're set up to deliver, but the client is actually wrong for the offer. So when you sold the offer to them, there's an ethical and a moral responsibility for you to get them some results. If they've exchanged money, if they've had a value exchange with you, you have an ethical responsibility to pick the right clients so they're not wasting money. This is something that I feel very strongly about in my own containers. In fact, this week somebody asked me, what do you do? I think I might have a client for you. And they told me all the things they needed. And I just said, frankly, this isn't in my scope. So I said, that's not going to be the best thing for you. The best thing for your client is getting an agency to help them. That's not really where my expertise lies. We ended the call really just knowing that her client needed something different than what I solve. And if they had come into my program, they would have been disappointed because it wouldn't have gotten them the results they needed. Hey, it's Leanne, and if you're ready to have more clients, cash, and credibility, head over to IWantClientsCashAndCredibility.com, where you can find out more about current programs, hit our vault of trainings, and join the community. That's IWantClientsCashAndCredibility.com. Okay, back to the show. So we want to think through who our ideal client is, but also where they are in their specific issue, where they are either in the problem or the aspiration or both, can give you an indication of who is going to say yes to this offer almost immediately and who will say yes, but not get great results. We don't just want people to buy. We want people to succeed. We want people to achieve the transformation we are advertising, not just take their money and run. So the first thing is really becoming client-centric so you know where your client is within the process of the issue or the aspiration. And this can be things like what they've tried before, what kinds of things have worked, what kinds of things have not worked, how many things have they tried before, how long have they been trying to achieve this thing. All those things can be an indication of qualities your ideal client must have to achieve the best results with your program. And it starts with the first thing of, the root of what exactly is this process going to do for your client. So last year I was going to do a podcast and I joined a podcast membership group. I named the podcast. I got some cover art done. I did a strategy session and I literally did nothing with it. Absolutely nothing. So the strategist expert gave me all kinds of great advice and I literally let it sit there for a year. Then she changed her business model and she put out a really high-end offer where everything was done for you. So high-end offers usually work pretty well. And when she put this high-end offer together, it was podcast editing, cover art, show notes, music, everything, the whole shebang. And it was at a price point that was at a higher level than she was before. But I thought to myself, I am never going to get this podcast done if I don't hire somebody to help me do it. It's been sitting there a year and you've done nothing with it. So what's going to change in the next six months? And I thought to myself, nothing. So she solved my problem with her new program. She helped me achieve an aspiration I had been sitting on a whole year. 
And now her best clients are actually higher level entrepreneurs. They don't want to mess with the minutiae of their podcast, but they've been thinking about their podcast a year or possibly more. So she's got it all dialed in and she's always busy because this offer achieves something for her highest level client. And she knows her people inside and out. So she understands we've all been sitting on this and we are all making money and it's a done for you offer. So it's perfect at a higher price point. I value the podcast more than I value the money that it costs to hire her. So that's the first point to figure out where your clients are in the spectrum of their problem or aspiration. How far do they need to be along? What do they need to have achieved or not achieved to be qualified to come into your offer? The second key is actually validating people need it. So actually talking to clients, talking to your audience and asking them, what would you think about this particular thing? I'm going to offer this and I want to know how you feel about it. If this is something that you need, something you've thought about before, is this a burning desire you've had? So you can also do some research within Facebook, within LinkedIn, Instagram, see what people are talking about, see what people are pinning on Pinterest. What are the driving forces for your clients that make them buy an offer? What makes them curious to want to know more? And you can even ask them the price point if you want to. Find out exactly what it is people are paying for and they value more than money. So the third thing about having an offer that sells and is hot and everybody wants is to deal with what you can point to. You solve a problem or an aspiration someone can point to. So I see a lot of offers that are super ambiguous. They might be something about learning how to build your confidence or getting clarity or being at peace. And clarity, empowerment, and confidence are all things that cannot be defined in a specific way, mostly because they mean different things to different people. So you want to pick outcomes you can point to. No one really gets up in the morning and says, man, I need some more clarity. They might be thinking, I don't have time to get everything done. I don't know what I need to do in my business to get more clients. I don't know how to parent my child so they're able to make their own decisions. I don't know how to, like, for instance, train my dog, if my dog is jumping on everybody, they might be miserable in their relationship. They might be miserable with their dog jumping on people. Maybe they want a divorce. Maybe they want to repair their relationship. These are all outcomes you can point at. No one wants healthier living. People want more energy so you can play at the park with your kids. People want a slimmer body so you can fit into anything in your closet. Those are all specific situations and offers It sells so much better because it's easier to market to them. And the way that you know you have the correct outcome is if you can think in the morning, what is my client thinking they need more than anything? Besides coffee, right? What do they need? What do they want? Maybe it's better income. Maybe it's they want a new life and be free from crippling anxiety that's causing them to panic. Maybe they want to stop eating everything and have the perfect wardrobe. Maybe that's your person. If you think about the things when you're talking to them about your offer that you can actually point to, you will keep your offer free of jargon and it will start getting super, super clear. So a little bonus on the back end of this whole situation. Here's a fourth tip for you about your offer. So a lot of offers look like the one before. We don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You do want to bring your special sauce to that offer. And that can be a clear differentiator 
between you and everybody else doing the same thing. Sometimes that differentiator is literally just you and your expertise, but I want you to be careful with that because building a whole brand on a single expertise lacks leverage and then you can't scale it. So I would love for you to put together an offer that can be systematized, that you could teach the method to someone and they could teach it to other people. That system ties in with the way that's doable without you having to be right there holding people's hand every step of the way. So make your differentiator be the system and not you because it helps people understand when it's a system, it's going to work for everyone rather than it's customized to everyone from you. It's easier to sell a system than it is to sell customized coaching. I know that sounds really counterintuitive, but it, actually it's not because people want to know that their system that they're going to be going through actually works. And a system gives people a little bit of peace of mind that they know they're going to be able to do it. Now, in my own program, I have a proprietary system to help you get a comprehensive marketing plan and sales system, and also to help your clients understand why they need your offer and why it needs to be you and your system that they need to buy from. Not just that, but also the element of authority that allows you to sell easier and quicker and bypass the long, long route that is social media. You can get a warmed up audience faster and it helps them to know you can get them results when you have this credibility on the front end. And the other thing is, you need to know how to find the right people for these high ticket offers. And that's where your sales psychology comes in. You're gonna to have to sell through content, storytelling, live streams, blogs, however you wanna reach clients, but you have to continue the conversation with them so that you get them into your world and they understand you can help them. You'll also need authority and credibility so your offers pre-sell before you bring them out. So authority creates demand for you that will allow you to sell out your launches easier and quicker and have people on wait lists and really to buy any program you put out because when your authority is high, you are considered so much of a specialist, your offer sells automatically, almost any offer sells. And that's the level that I want you to get to and it's something that if you feel like, hey, my offers are pretty good, I don't understand some of these things, I don't understand how to communicate to my audience that my offer is really the only solution to them. I don't understand how to communicate with my audience really at all. They're not really responding. Then I get that and that's what I do. I help you learn sales psychology of high ticket, what to put into the offer and how to communicate that offer the best way. So this pathway to that is kind of simple, but it's really hard to do for yourself. So one of the things we do is we look at your lead generation and we make sure you have the audience to sell to that's the right audience. We work on your offer, make sure it's validated, and then we look at the price. Also, we get into the deep sales psychology of why your particular ideal client buys, and then we use those things in your content marketing, whether it's a live stream, a blog, a YouTube video, or even just an in-person conference. You want to know what makes them tick and what makes them buy. And that's one of the things I do for my clients. If you aren't 100% behind your pricing, 
we also do mindset work to make you solid on the value. So it's easier to call out the price you want to charge and actually get the clients who are perfect for that offer. Okay, so that's all for our hot offer session today, and I will see you next time. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to IWantClientsCashIncredibility.com. I'm Leanne Heil, and we'll see you on the next episode.